0: So, when I was uh, thinking about preaching, because often uh, my audience is a little bit younger uh, than you guys. No offence. Thank you. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Sometimes Heather's there. That's why she's saying thank you. Um, Yeah, often it's uh, primary school-aged kids, high school-aged kids, uh, a little bit younger. And um, something that we often do... um, it gets done a little bit in church, it's like an object lesson, or we have an illustration or a metaphor that we uh, tell to um, bring a little bit more depth and understanding, uh, particularly for young people, uh, because they don't always understand, I think often we don't always understand, uh, but I find it helpful, so this morning I would like a volunteer, and I haven't teed anybody up, um, except one person that if no one puts their head up. She'll get up. Um, So that's good. But uh, if you'd like to volunteer, you don't have to do much. You just have to stand here and do what I tell you. (laughs) Not too scary. I promise. Come on. Georgia! The young person in the service, maybe Georgia. It's okay if you don't want to, it's alright. Don't give in to peer pressure. No one? Alright. Oh, Amariah, oh, we'll get Amariah, <laughs> she's got the big you dear hands for you, that's awesome, <laughs> although that would have been a fun spin. Alright, <laughs> uh, come stand over this side with me. Yeah. Alright, so what we're talking about today is, um, does Jesus have your all? Um, and I've got a few things here that represent um, stuff in our lives, so one at a time I'm going to get Amariah just to pick those things up. So pick something to pick up first, that's my wallet, okay? Um, so money is a pretty big thing in our lives, isn't it, um, particularly uh, for living and eating and bank um, bills and all of those sorts of things, so hang on to that, keep, keep holding it, um, pick up for something else, it's very appropriate for last year, but our health is pretty <coughs> important to us. Children, if you're a mum or a dad, or a grandparent, children are pretty important. (coughs) I say, well, they say time is money, but time is very, very important, isn't it? Good, this is getting interesting. Uh, Those are batteries, if you can't see. Um, Our energy is very important. Yes. our emotions, often sometimes our emotions end up on those tissues, um, emotions are important, oh we're looking a bit precarious, this is good, that's exactly how I wanted it to work out, um, <laughs> on this board there's some of my relationships, so relationships of people in our lives are important. And last, and there's many more, these are just some that i picked out. Our skills. So I'm not always skilled at using screwdrivers, but some of you can do much more skill at that than me. Um, but that's another thing that is important to us. We often use them for our job and different things like that. Um, so Amaro, if I was to ask you now to um, do a push-up, would you be able to do that? You'd find it hard? Yeah. If I was to ask you, even if I had a bottle of water here and you just wanted to take a sip, how easy would that be? Do you have to adjust some things? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope you see where I'm kind of going with this uh, this morning. Um, Mariah. I won't hold you for too much longer. <laughs> You're doing great. Um, she's got all this stuff in her hands. And if she holds on to that herself, her hands are full. Um, and... She's not actually able to effectively do other things in her life because she's holding so tightly to the things that are in her hands. So you can put those down. Thank you. Give her a hand. (laughs) Feel great. (laughs) So we're going to talk about surrender this morning. Um... And as Amirah put that stuff down, that's a very um, obvious kind of display of surrender. She put everything that she had in her hands down um, so she could keep moving. Who here thinks surrender is scary? I do. I definitely do. Why do you think that is? Um, Does anyone have an answer? That was kind of a rhetorical question, but... Releasing control. Releasing controls really hard, yep. I don't unknown. Yeah, no. yeah no, no. if I do put that down, what will happen? Yep. Letting go of things we hold dear. Letting go of things we hold dear, things we care about, our kids, our family. Yep. <coughs> yep. So often we're aware of things in our lives that might need to go. When we hear that word, um, I know when I hear it, something kind of, uncomfortable shifts inside my spirit because of the things that are in my heart that I might need to let go of. Um, Surrender isn't new though. Um, It's a concept as old as time and it's created by God. Back in Genesis, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, the most precious of God's creation, lived in surrender to God. Everything they were was for God. That was, of course, until the devil showed up. He didn't try and remove the concept of surrender that they understood with God. He just twisted it and convinced them to surrender to something or someone other than God. It was temptation and deceit, and Adam and Eve <coughs> began believing that maybe there were other things that were equally worth the glory. The lie that were being fed and that we feed ourselves and we let the devil feed us, is that if we give up what God is asking us to give up, our joy will be relinquished. Because those things give us joy, to some extent. Most of those things give us joy. And the lie that we are led to believe is that if we give them up, our joy will be relinquished. That once my hands are open and empty, that God is not big enough all good enough to fill it up again. We believe the lie that our plans and our thoughts are better than his are. Our fear of surrender is really our belief that God is not fulfilling enough. And most of us know in our minds, I think, if you're a Christian and you've been in this world all long time, I think most of us know in our minds that that isn't true um, because we get told that God is enough. He's more than enough. But does it reach your heart? And does it cause you to act? Who of you likes a good story. Hmm. A few of you, excellent. I was just, I love stories, and for a very long time, I think um, you're like, why do I like a good story? Or well, you don't even think about that to let the, think about it that deeply. Um, but on Friday night, um, we had youth group, um, and there were a few of us there. And if you don't know, we haven't seen my brother Darcy broke his arm earlier in the week, and so we got to telling stories about broken bones and different things Um, and it didn't dawn on me until I was thinking about like over the weekend thinking about what I'm speaking about and um, stories intrigue us because we learn something about the other person as they tell the story, we learn something new about them. Um, Caleb was there and I learned that she's really good in a crisis because that was the story she told. I learned, I probably already knew, as a young 12-year-old Darcy, um, it was very important to him to tell us that he didn't just trip, he was tackled. That was very important, and that tells me something about who he is, and what he wants you to understand. So hopefully this morning I've got a couple of stories to tell, and um, they're much better stories, I think, because they're from the Bible. They're much better stories than stories we can tell because they're from <coughs> the Word of God. So story number one is from John 6. So if you do have your Bible, feel free to open it up because I didn't put it on the screen. You won't be able to read it up there. Um, (laughs) uh, But I will read it out for you this morning. All right, John 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish, Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. For he already had it in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, I would take more than half a year's, it would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, (coughs) about five thousand men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. And they gathered them and filled the twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten them. After the people saw the scientists perform, they began to say, Surely, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. <coughs> I think that's a pretty incredible story, don't you think? Yeah. Um, and As you think more about stories, there's many reasons why um, the writer of this story chose to use the um, descriptions that he did and all of that sort of stuff. And I think there's a lot of things we can take away from this story and you've probably heard this story spoken about before possibly. Um, we could talk about the incredible miracle that was performed. Um, whenever I read this story, I find it interesting to sit and imagine either being in the crowd, one of the crowd, what that was like, maybe being the boy who gave up his bread and fish But even more sometimes, maybe being one of the disciples. I'm pretty sure they would have doubted Jesus could do what he said he was going to do. Well, that day he just kind of did it. He did not even say he was going to do it. Um, And I'm pretty sure they would have been astounded, surprised probably a little (coughs) bit, or a lot confused and taken aback at the outcome. But there's a couple of things that um, I want us to think about from this story. Number one is... What they had wasn't much. You know, the disciples could have said, you know what, Jesus, we could just, like, invite this young guy to come and sit with us. And we could just eat what he had. Just us, and you, Jesus, and the boy. Um, That would have felt a lot more doable for them, don't you think? Just to hang on to what they had. How much safer do we feel when we try to control everything? We hang on to the stuff at the expense of what could be much, much more. And I think often it's easy for us, easier for us to hold tight than to let go and see what both can do. And the second one is, what was little in the hands of the people was much more when it was in the hands of Jesus. Do we believe that our time is more valuable when it's in the hands of Jesus? Do we believe that our money is more valuable in the hands of Jesus? Do we believe that our emotions are more valuable when in the hands of Jesus? we believe our job is more valuable, our relationships more valuable when in the hands of Jesus? We have to believe with our minds, yes, but our heart and soul that God's plans for our lives are much greater and more valuable <clears throat> and eternally fulfilling than the plans that we imagine for ourselves. Um, and if you're like me, a young person likes to Google stuff, and you Google uh, Bible verses talking about surrender, um, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, These are just some of them, and I'm just going to read straight through, and feel free to jot down if you want to go back later and look those up. Um, James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 7.21 Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is is in heaven will. Romans 12.1-2 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves and your bodies a a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by by testing you may discern what the will of God is and what is good, acceptable and perfect. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Luke 9, 23 to 24. And he said to all... If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 1 Peter 5, 6-10 Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary... The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist the devil. Stay firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. Incredible words, those words. Incredible. Story number two is from First Samuel. Um, I'm not going to read this from the Bible because um, it's kind of goes over two chapters. Um, but there was a man named Alcana. I'm going to say that it like that. I'm not sure if that's how you say it. Um, he had two wives. Hannah and Panina. panina and no razor will ever be used on his head. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that God granted her, that child, just as she had asked, that his name was Samuel. And if you jump to chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, Hannah prays to God. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord, there is no one beside you, there is no rock like our God. Blessed be the rock, that's the song we say. Hannah's joy was not in the child that she was giving, but it was in the Lord. It was fulfilled in the Lord. When she let God go to her greatest desire and handed it to God, because she gave it up to God. Probably thinking that it's probably not going to happen, but I'm going to give it to him anyway. This desire that I had. But she handed it to God. Her joy wasn't relinquished or taken away from her because she gave that up, but it was fulfilled. And it it was actually even more than she ever could have imagined. She believed so much in the plans of the Lord over her own plans that the child, the one she had waited and prayed for for so long, she surrendered back to God. And again, if you know the story, he actually uh, lived at the temple. And she would visit him and by after he was old enough not to be with her. That's where he was. And in chapter 2, verse 21, it says, And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So she got a child, but she also got more children, five more children. And she would have never believed, I bet, that that was going to be her reality. But she was willing to give it up to God and see what he did with it. There's nothing in your hands that God won't replace with more of his step, himself. And I think this, that second line down there is true. We will we give, give anything to God but we believe he is everything. We'll give anything to him. We'll believe he's everything. And with most things in the Bible, uh, the character we look towards the most is Jesus. In uh, Philippians 2, uh, 5 to 11, it says, in your relationships with one another, so this is uh, the example that we have, And God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, the the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, for the glory of God the Father. I heard this quote in a sermon that I heard once in it. It says, Jesus didn't have anything to lose but his life, so there's no use holding up to yours. When you think about it, he didn't didn't have anything else to lose because he could not have done anything else to make the way for us. That was the only thing he could do. That was the only thing he had to give up and that's what he chose to do. And I think that that should move us to give up what we have for him. Jesus humbled himself even to death, the most horrific kind. So that every knee would bow and every voice would give glory to the Father. We can't claim to be believers if we aren't willing to give up, give Jesus the things He has asked for, and that thing is our lives—not half of our lives, not three quarters. We can't say, "Yeah, I'm a Christian. I gave up some stuff way back when, when I first believed in Jesus. I gave up a few things. That's fine." It has to be daily. Take up your cross, do we mean, daily? I believe God continues to show us areas of our lives that we need to surrender. Because we're human. We're not going to, the moment that we become a Christian, we're not going to know all of the stuff that's wrong with us, because everything's wrong, so that's hard to pinpoint. Um... But I do believe that God continues to reveal that stuff to us as we go, as we're faced with situations or conversations where our human nature comes out and we want to respond in an incorrect way or we want to hang on to things. And but God's standing there going, no, I've asked you to give that up. Why are you still holding that? I have to continually remind myself That there is nothing in my hands that God won't replace with more of himself. And often I have to convince myself of that. (laughs) Quite often. And it's scary, it's pretty uncomfortable. To be uh, faced with your own um, uh, shortcomings, shortfalls. I think sometimes we think we're pretty amazing. And we so often pray, and I think it's at the end of that um, verse in Philippians it says that every time we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father and we so often pray that, that everything would be for the glory of God. At the end of our prayers, during our prayers, we so often pray that everything would be for the glory of God. But the reality of saying those words is that we, it requires us to surrender. Because the glory doesn't come through our plans, comes through his. Sorry, thought I had another slide. On the other side of surrender, there is more of God. And God is better than everything. And I hope I don't have to convince you of that, because that's not my job. The Holy Spirit convicts us. We're gonna come into a timing of video, I think it's uh, quite fitting for this morning. Um, and hopefully you've got one of these, and if you don't, I might just get someone to do a walk with some more. Just throw your hand up or whatever, if you don't have one. I we gonna do the awkward peeling now. You know, the reason uh, I get up here sometimes and Paul gets up here and all that I do and other people get up here to speak Um not trying to convince you without eloquent words, you know, um, it isn't, yeah, those sentences or those words that are going to change your heart. But all we desire to do, and the worship team as well, like the reason that they come is <coughs> to drop you off at the foot of Jesus. That's all we need to do. Because it's his plans and are much greater than our own. We just want you to come and we want you to be with Jesus. And we pray that's why you come, but if you don't Sorry to say, the Holy Spirit will probably get a hold of you anyway. He wants to be with you, and He loves you. He loves you. He knows what's going on in your life, and uh, He's always there waiting for us just to come and to be, to sit in His presence, be overwhelmed by His love. And he wants to give us, he wants us to give him everything. Because he sees and he knows what we're choosing for ourselves. And it's, it's probably not that good. It's much less than what he would have for us. The value he sees in us is too great for him to want to. <coughs> for him to want us to live anything but a life with him and for him and following him. The value he sees in you is too great for him to want us to live anything but a life with him, for him and following him. Is it easy for us to be up control? No. That there's nothing in your hands that God won't replace with more of himself. And that's the truth. That's the truth. That's not the lie to ourselves, that's the truth. There's nothing in your hands that God won't replace with mine. So, so I want to give you a moment sometimes to do this together, but I want to give you a moment just to sit. Um, and we might have some music playing in the background if we can. Um, I just want to give you a moment to do... Do business with Jesus. Because this is the time. You've got the time now. Why not do it now? So take the bread in your time, take the cup in your time. Just leave the rubbish in front of you on the seat somewhere or collect it later in the day. And continue to just Keep working on us, Lord, and keep bringing those things to mind, the things that we need to give up. Maybe they're things we didn't even know that we should give up. Um, Lord, would you just convict us of that, and <clears throat> may we experience more and more joy as we walk and talk with you and follow you. i just going to ask the worship team if they'd like to come up. Got a couple of songs to finish, in. Um we just want to be sensitive to what is happening in the room. Uh, so we're going to sing these songs. But if you do need prayer, come up during the songs. It's not scary. They'll probably hear Paul's right there because um, we want to do this with you. You know, it's not a solitude thing. We don't give that stuff up to them to walk alone. But well, we do it together. In Jesus' name.